Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Ten Backward, a Star Trek-based podcast from merry old England. And my name is Gemma Turland. To my right is Will Turland. Hello. To my left is Rick Everson. Hello. And uh, straight ahead of me, Rick Palmer. Oh, hi, hi. And today we are going to be discussing the topic Federation utopia or dystopia what? Yeah. But, but surely it's a utopia because they say it's so a utopia. they would have you think will <laughs> so they would have you think well, it can't be a dystopia can it it's, it's the ideal it's the ideal society mm. we've achieved everything we've solved all the problems Unless you yourself are the problem, and then you must be rooted out. Well, I mean, I suppose one. Or likes. just, or just. Well, what, yeah. What well, did they do to solve all those problems? Who did they get rid of? That's what I want to know. Well, I mean, I suppose you. I mean, you could say that on Earth we know that there's no poverty, no crime, no war, but you look out the window at Starfleet headquarters and you see paradise. It's easy to be a saint in paradise, but the Marquis do not live in paradise. That's all I have to say. That's, I didn't, anyway, co- didn't anyway, copy and paste the back rest to of that. The... Yeah, we did this in a different episode, didn't sorry, we? Sorry, sorry, guys. Sorry. But yeah, I just wanted to, just wanted to make that point. Well, interestingly, because, um, Will, you come up with a, with a very interesting point that's salient yeah. to the subject. That um, yeah, that maybe there's a maybe there's a, a boundary to that utopia, mm. and that maybe it, um, maybe Earth is utopian, but maybe all of the Federation don't enjoy the same. But it's utopia. utopian for whom? I mean, it's, I suppose, mm. I suppose people, uh, uh, it's utopian for the people who stayed on that planet and chose to stay in that society, but people who maybe don't want to live in that, it, it could be argued restrictive society, have left and cut and go to the further reaches and then I don't know have to resort to being the marquee because they are totally shat on by the federation I mean in Star Trek Star Trek is a series mostly set away from Earth so we don't get I mean the federation covers a lot of planets but I guess Earth is where the headquarters are and Earth is a planet where you go Mm. to and it would exemplify what the federation Mm. what the federation governance looks like but we don't get to see. It. We only get sort of hints about it. I think. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I think. Maybe, maybe pertinent to the discussion would be trying to just get and what what do we think the federation is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess. I mean, I guess each planet has its own rules, and then there are federation rules mm. as well. Mm. So a bit like in America. So there are, there's federal law, mm. and then there's state law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we get some yeah. hints of that where we where they have in various episodes discussions of qualifying for federation membership. I think um, in the there's an episode of DS Nine where they have another emissary comes comes through the wormhole, um, and he starts re um, reinstating the mm. old ancient Bajoran caste system, and Cisco says, "Well, that's going to have a." bit of a bad thing for the old Bajoran joining the Federation thing because we frown upon 
caste-based societies where people are deemed lower because of their birth. Yes. Yeah. It's um, a no-no. It's, it's, it's actually something that means that you can't join if you have a caste system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Likewise, I think is it attached in that late next gen? <coughs> we they have a planet which is split. There's basically two factions upon the planet, and they and Picard is quite clear in that that a planet has to be united and unified. You can't have conflicting things. You can't say you can't like have half a planet join the Federation because mm. they're all like yeah everything about the Federation is great and the other half like well actually I'm not sure about this then, well we're, you can't join then every member of the Federation entered as a unified world and that unity said something about them that they had resolved certain social and political differences and they were now ready to become part of a larger community by all indications the Kess are a very unified very progressive people but the Prater not they're reclusive to the point of xenophobia. Oh, in, in my research, I, I've, I've found that it says that a single government is not required, but perhaps a single government is not required, but everyone needs to get on. Yeah, yeah. there's to yeah. be a unity. You can't have... I think what they're saying is you can't have one government yeah. on that planet joining. Yes. And another if, one... Yeah, yes. the planet has to join or not at all. Yeah. Can't That's happen. interesting, because you could argue that... They're basically saying everyone has to. If you want to be part of the federation, you have to gr- agree with mm. with the federation. Yeah. You can't buy deals. You can't buy half an Easter egg, right? Yeah. I don't. No, Rick, you can't. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's, it's fair enough. But but you, you, the joining of the federation can't be a can't be a basis for a mm. for a split. On a mm. on a planet, can it? So no, no. on a planet, can it? So. <laughs> Um, I think that's a, that's a fair enough and, requirement. And, and the fed, joining the federation is is voluntary, isn't it? I mean, as far as we know, the well, federation don't go around. You can apply, I suppose. Yeah, but you yeah, don't. No, you but you, yeah. you you also don't have to. I mean, I don't know. We don't. I don't get the sense that the federation push themselves on. No. Um, other, no, but it's because no, they're, cause they're they quite don't. particular they're, about who joins yeah. and who doesn't. Join. It's, it's, it's a lengthy process. Because <laughs> we see in Deep Space Nine, Bajor mm. doesn't join. In fact, by the end, and mm. it, the, the only time they're even close to it is in series in the fifth season. So if if it hadn't been for Cisco's visions, where he warned Bajor not to join, it would have taken nearly five years, normal process for them to come through. Um, obviously, then Cisco says, "Whoa, don't do that!" And because he has visions of the upcoming war and everything, and mm. obviously, it turns out to be for the best. But it's a lengthy process. Um, kind of like, well, what was what? What were you guys doing all that time? I mean, like, you know, they've like really long application forms. <laughs> or what? It depends on the pressure of the Federation, doesn't it? I mean, I think, I think you know, with the, the wormhole is important, and if you can get Bajor into the Federation, that's helpful. So mm. I think. Something like that, then they, they probably would. There would there would be political machinations to, to hasten the process. But I think on Bajor, I think there there's natural resistance anyway. I mean, mm. obviously, Cause, the, yeah, because the, they've the, just been the, occupied, yeah, haven't they? Just been so, occupied. Yeah. They don't want to be occupied. <coughs> and many of them will feel that they're being occupied again. So that's probably yeah. why it's taken so long with Bajor. That that there actually there's actually quite a lot of resistance on that planet anyway. I think it's um, it's like there's an interesting thing that Eddington once says about how um, 
You probably even want the Cardassians to join. Starships chase us through the Badlands, and our supporters are harassed and ridiculed. Why? Because we've left the Federation, and that's the one thing you can't accept. Nobody leaves Paradise. Everyone should want to be in the Federation. Hell, you even want the Cardassians to join. It's like he seems to think the Federation is just like wandering around trying to get everyone to jump in and join their glorious but they, thing. They do. I think they would have yeah, the Cardassians. I, I, I think they, they would. gladly would, I think. They yeah. would gladly have almost anybody. Yeah. If they if they but meet the they yeah. meet the required yeah. standard, if they agree with everything that yeah. the federation, mm. but then you could you, say you, you the, could almost ask, do they are they, are they keen to every, every race they meet to have them add their biological and technological yeah. standards <laughs> to their own? Yeah, because Eddington does also make the comparison to the Borg. Mm. You know, in some ways, you're even worse than the Borg. At least they tell you about their plans for assimilation. You're more insidious. You assimilate people. And they don't even know it. Yeah. It's just at least the Borg, yeah, the Borg are up front about what they want. You just want to get everyone in, and mm. like the guise of everyone being happy and cool about it. And what yeah. is what is the benefit of being in the Federation? Because there are large, you know, there are large swathes of empires that are not part of the Federation, but mm. are, seem to be seem to be going along quite nicely. You've got the the Klingons, the yeah. Cardassians, until of course um, they. They get screwed over by. Well, it's something um, that starts out relatively small, doesn't it? So mm. it starts out. We see it at the end of Enterprise. So it's Earth, the Vulcans, mm. the Terrorites, and Dorians. Mm. Yes. So they form the sort of the coalition, which I think it's hinted at will eventually become the basis of the yeah. Federation. Um, I guess it's kind of like it's 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 pooling resources in a way. It's pooling all those things that they need. Like so, they have a unified. Starfleet for defence and science, um, and you know what what you mine, what you what you can get from as a resource from one planet in abundance, makes short on the other. So I kind of mm. guess they have a fair resource sharing system, mm. developing to such a point, and they command such a wide area in resources. You you develop full post scarcity. And I suppose mm. when something starts off relatively small like that, there is going to well there is the potential there for it to expand. Mm. Rather than can get smaller, I suppose there's a potential there mm. for it to. The, the the idea has a potential f for expansion, I suppose, and and I guess what happens is that by the time we see it in TNG, it's pretty big. Like it's, yeah. it's yeah. changed from 150 what, worlds. The concept says in yeah, first contact. The concept of what it is in TNG is far different from the reasons it was set up in in Enterprise, I suppose. So. Mm. That's where that I guess that's why we're asking the question, isn't it? It's it's evolved into. What has it evolved into by the time we see it in TNG? Yeah. And DS9 and, and Yeah. And what what's the I mean, once you have joined, what would be the drawbacks of leaving? Um this is all getting quite close to the bone <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this conversation, yeah. isn't it? That's it. Have we ever I mean do you, have we ever heard of a of a planet leaving the Federation, actually? No. No, it never comes up. They were, they came close, and I think the um, Vulcan come close, but at some point they they almost did that as a story in Deep Space Nine. They were going to end series three on a cliffhanger, um, which potentially would have had um, a Starfleet ship and a Vulcan ship ready in in Earth orbit, ready to open fire on each other. Mm. Um, and then the the um, 
incoming Worf joining in Series 4 put the end to that plan. So they ended Series 3 on a standard episode. A really good one, but that's by yeah. the by And that, what, that two-parter eventually became Homefront and Paradise Lost in the middle of Series 4. Just mm, the change yeah. things on Earth thing that was going to be dealt with became that, but they lost the Vulcan secession thing. Mm. So all the all the paranoia about changelings and the martial law and everything was going to literally cause Vulcan to want to leave the Federation mm. in the original story draft. But oh, that's interesting. Mm, but it didn't come to be, and we never touched on that. Something. I guess. I guess the difference between the Federation and you know, what's going on in you know, in the real world is that. I imagine in the Federation, everybody sort of signed up to the similar things, whereas in, say, Europe, it's different countries have different levels of membership. Like membership isn't one standard. It's you can choose mm. to keep certain things. It's state. I mean, it is still there is still state. There is still kind of state rules and. But it, it, it is more like the EU than it is like. America, isn't yeah, it? Because no, they are—they are totally autonomous planets. Yeah. But and I'd, I'd argue that there's culturally a more of a mishmash in the EU mm. that we have quite distinct cultural references between the different countries, whereas America is more of a one. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't I mean, more I, you, so. Yeah, definitely. You don't go over America. Yeah, one state might have slightly different things to another, but I, I think the difference yeah. is more pronounced among <clears throat> no, EU member states than they are between American yeah. states. As we said before, Star Trek very much does monocultures. Mm. So, like yeah. one planet, one culture. So you've got the logical and planet, the yeah, uh, the, yeah. the angry planet, <laughs> the argumentative planet, nice planet. Yeah. And, I think yeah. that, I think with the Federation a lot is a lot is in a lot of the detail that we're trying to work out is is unseen, isn't it? Because mm. mm. in, in all the shows, pretty much the main cast of these shows that we see are, are remarkable people. Yes. You don't get to see many every every mm. every man characters right. in Star Trek. So we don't get to experience what their life is like. So questions I would have is like I mean, we under what is done to kind of protect the environment of the planet in terms of the ecosystem mm. what measures are taken to for that um uh, you know so what choices aren't people allowed to make in order for the planet to be run in such a way that it benefits everybody if you see what i mean because I, I feel mm. like the federation is trying to do that mm. it's trying to it's trying to it's, if you're trying to create a utopia you, you have to sort of you have to have rules right and yeah and you can't yeah. have everybody doing whatever they want yeah and i think this is where the this is where we get into i think you can't mm. have everybody doing whatever they want because not everybody wants to do the same thing yeah. so you sort of have to get to a, like a, a system where most people the vast majority of people are happy yeah. or as many people are as happy but as it's, possible it's, yeah that's, so that's some that kind people of... it's it's not a utopia it's because it's never going to be because because some people utopia. never buy into that mm. that form of happiness right but then i suppose people can leave earth if they want to if you're on earth and you're not mm. happy with how it mm. is you're free to leave and you can set up there are colonies aren't there and i'm not sure, i'm guessing there are colonies human colonies that aren't in the federation mm. there was um that that comes uh, i was remembering a um, something that tasha yar says when they what episode is it when they're talking about Drugs. Oh, I think it's in um, symbiosis. Symbiosis, mm. yeah. And so she, she describes t- the planet that she came Tukana from. Tukana Four, yeah. Oof. It's literally fallen completely apart, mm. and it's just, it's just chaos. It's gangs 
wandering around mm. killing each other. Yeah, and this is and this is a Federation planet. Mm. This is a human human colony yeah. Federation planet. Yeah, this is not Utopia. No, this yeah. is that's right. That's and right. She she has a really on the nose. She has a really on the nose conversation with Wesley about drugs in, yeah. her, in that episode, which is. A, which is a bit cringy, kind of looking back. The conversation basically goes, Wesley's basically like... What I can't understand is why anyone would voluntarily become dependent on a chemical. Wesley, no one wants to become dependent. That happens later. But it does happen. So why do people start? On my home planet, there was so much poverty and violence that for some, the only escape is through drugs. How can a chemical substance provide an escape? It doesn't. But it makes you think it does. Oh God, God, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. But but I mean, it's it's well-meaning, and then mm. what Tasha Yar's basically saying is is right. But it is like, yeah. So it's a it's a right on the nose late eighties <laughs> kind of um, don't do drugs. So my, my my question regarding her the the colony that she hails mm. from. Mm. So this is supposed to be a like failed Federation colony, mm-hmm. and it's descended into anarchy. And there's a lot of murder and rape and chaos, and it's all pretty bad there. Why don't the Federation go back in and restore yeah. order? Clean it up. Mm. Or then disband it. Why isn't that then them being sort of the totalitarian state that we're concerned about? Uh, okay. If these colonists have gone to that level, why why should we go in and tell them they're wrong? But why allow? Because it's it's clearly not working. So if they're if they're saying that we're not going to allow a planet into our federation if it is not up to our standards, why <coughs> allow their own colonies to slip yeah. in their standards? Well, have that. Are they essentially abandoning said colonies? Yeah. Like, well, your would, your standards are too low. You're out. You're no, yeah, you're yeah, part of the federation yeah, so by name. You, and you, that's yeah. it. Have is a word with yourself. Come have a chat with us when you got yourself. Sorted. Is the benchmark for admittance to the Federation a technological one? Well, um, I don't know, because we've already mentioned there's societal things that they have to have achieved at least some level of planetary unity that they all want to join the Federation. Um, they have to have achieved certain things like they don't have a caste system. So imagine, like, yeah. what other ones have they got? You know, but, prime, they... but I'm thinking in prime, in generally the prime directive... Well, we should have to be like a technological. We shouldn't be talking to them if they haven't achieved warp drive. So but then, but then by default, I guess if we're not talking to them, mm. see what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm, so yeah. presumably they have to be. They can't be pre-warp and be a member of the federation. But I guess. Is, but what if? A, see, yeah. But mm. this is the thing that annoys me a little bit. Is that? I mean, we we live in a society that doesn't have. Warp drive, but we, under, but, we, but we understand it. We're not. We wouldn't. Mm. We wouldn't see a ship arrive in space with warp drive. Go, God, golly, what's that? What's going on? Oh, I know. What? God. Yeah, but what? Yeah. Um, I don't so imagine what I mean is it like? Wouldn't it? I wouldn't it be better to have a planet in the Federation where their their society is run really well, but maybe they don't mm. have spaceships, and their societal knowledge is can be added. Well, this is the thing. I mean. You look at um, look at say in, in insurrection the Baku they're observing them like they're a real primitive culture and then it turns out actually they're quite capable of building warp capable spaceships they just don't want to because mm. they're quite happy with, they've achieved such an equilibrium with their philosophy their society and their state of being they don't 
want to travel in space. So you kind of like, well, would you not have them as a member, or, or would you? Mm. Because yeah. they, 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 they wouldn't. They don't indulge in space travel. Mm. But they have that capability, so, and they have yeah. that level of. of so, but what's the difference between mm. them and a society that hasn't developed warp travel? But maybe they just don't want to, as, as Rick says. I think it's mm. kind of like. Would they? Maybe they do it on a sort of case by case basis, and maybe the mm. Baku would have to apply for Federation membership, and then they'd have to explain why they want to be a part of the Federation. And maybe, maybe then they'd, don't know. Maybe then they'd make a decision on it. I, I would imagine the Baku probably have a very good reason <coughs> saying we really want, um, we really want the um, the protection of the Federation after what happened in Insurrection. Yeah, that would be a motivating thing for them to join because. Mm. A one one group has already made a play for their for their planet and would have got rid of them. And B, after that, the secrets are out. Everyone's going to know about it. So you yeah. kind of like you want to be really careful about how that and affects your society. So I suppose that 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 kind of brings us on to I guess what do you what do you get out of being in the mm, federation? Yeah. What's the benefit of being in the federation? That's one thing, isn't it? Protection. The, the protection of the federation. Absolutely, the protection. Unless, I, of course, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, or if you're the Mechie. Yeah, well, and, and, they're in the wrong place uh, yeah. at the wrong time. Well, that was that was very much the thrust of the whole um, of of them seceding was: if you do this, you will lose that protection. Mm. Um, if you, but the, their alternative was to leave their planet and settle a different one. Yeah. The Federation have given your planet away. Mm. So mm. if you want to keep it, you so have to not Federation be in the Federation. Owns their planet by joining the Federation. The Federation uh, owns. That's them. If that's what the Federation. Well, I mean, ultimately, they well, it is. It's the territory. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can, you can yeah. argue that the semantics around territory and stuff, but yeah, the only way for them to keep their planet was to not be part of the Federation. Mm. And then you have to live in Cardassian-controlled space, and with all the risks that would entail mm. for a human colony. Mm. It's a, it's a protection racket. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's. I mean, I guess. I, I, so I think for me, the the what's interesting about looking at the Federation as a dystopia is that. In in sci-fi in general, as soon in in any sort of sci-fi film or literature, as soon as you are told that that a society is a utopia, immediately, like your first <laughs> thought is, no, it isn't. <laughs> What's going on behind the scenes? What's the, what is it? Something's that, too anything yeah. that seems too good to be true is too good to be right, true. Right, right. And, and actually, Star Trek has done this itself. If you look at episodes mm. like the Apple in the original series, they're like, "Wow, this 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 planet is like an Eden." Mm. Oh, hang on, someone's just been shot to death by a planet that shoots po- by a planet that shoots poisonous darts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's exploding rocks. Oh, and someone's been struck by lightning. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking death trap. <laughs> yeah. So it's not an ideal Eden, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I always think of the. In the first Matrix movie, the um, they talk about how the the first Matrix, um, you oh, know, the, yeah. the virtual reality, mm-hmm. they 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 put that together as a as a utopia for humans, and the human mind rejects it because it because it can't deal with that, it kind of can't understand that that concept, and I wonder if that's that's in a way sort of a, my reaction to to Star Trek whenever they say it's a utopia, I'm like. <laughs> 
but, but like, what, but what is that? What is a utopia? I've never experienced it. It's, it's not. It's not a real thing. What's going on behind the scenes? Well, then, you know, do, that's do, the. Do you need to go and have a chat with Catch the Troy about your ingrained paranoia? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do, but she'd just like she'd turn all the lights off and, and she'd, start she'd... rubbing rubbing up against you. Yeah, but, but... <laughs> but there's also. I mean, that actually brings to Maybe that. I should, anyway. That that brings to another. Um, a scene that that sparks this this uh, the idea for this episode, in when the the child, um, uh, who is the, this traumatized little boy who's seen his entire family and the crew, in, um, oh, in the episode hero worship. Oh, sorry, yes, yeah. sorry, different yeah. episode. Um, there's a point. There's a there's a scene where he's that for some reason they've dumped this traumatized little boy in a in a class with lots of other children and um and he just wants to do one specific task that he's he not to, yeah, he wants like to build. build something when the rest of the class is singing and just the shock and horror of the teacher when he's yeah. when he's refusing to do what the rest of the of the class is doing um and the and the kind of and everybody else and the, and it's this kind of rejection of of his independent thought. Timothy, we're done with sculpture for now. It's not finished. We'll come back to it next period. Why don't you pick up your mythology book and follow along? But it's not finished. Yeah, and that's and freedom a, of expression. It's, yes. And, um, and independent thought alarm. <laughs> and it's, it's a kind, there's a kind of Especially right. in TNG, there's a little bit of a thread of that that runs mm. through it. Mm. There is with, with Barclay and um, and and the crew's rejection of him because he's not right. Mm. Um, yeah, he's not a good fit. No, he just doesn't fit in. Geordie <laughs> I can't says. stand to be in the same room as him. Yeah. That's a fairly severe reaction <laughs> to someone you know who's not into the same stuff you are. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I I think. You could argue that in TNG, in TNG, we're very much seeing a sort of a like a militarized. I think this is um, this is an issue. Not, yeah, this we're not is seeing we see throughout mm. the series. Yeah, we are always seeing Starfleet, mm. and that is for however you want to define Starfleet as an organisation, its aims. It has a military-based structure, and so there is an element of chain of command, conformity, and following orders. Yeah, um, so that kind of kind of gives it but we I mean we're ultimately we're seeing a very sort of focused snapshot of the Federation society through yeah. the eyes of the military. It's not until Deep Space Nine we actually see regularly non Federation mm. people. And that kind of gives us a different slant on it. Yeah. There, there's yeah. an episode of um T N G is it the, the Chase where they're looking for that artifact. Mm-hmm. Um oh, and, and the, the archaeology the archaeologist gives um Picard the Hulin Neskos and Picard tears a hole in his trousers <laughs> figuratively um, but um, but um, that archaeologist I can't remember I can't remember the name of of the character but Richard I know that, Galen I know that the actor played um, Bishop Brennan in Father Ted oh right pretty sure it's him <laughs> did he? I think so John Norton or James, Jim Norton Jim no Norton. It, was, it was Norman Large who played oh, okay. Richard Galen Jim Norton. however if you go to Descent Part 1 <laughs> Right. Jim Norton played Einstein in right, Data's okay. hologram. I'm getting confused. No, it wasn't Bishop <laughs> Brennan then. In that. But anyway, um, that archaeologist compares compares Picard to a like a Roman 
general per, like per, mm. patrolling the border and the federation is mm. a bit like the roman like the roman yeah. empire because it has a centered around rome um yeah. generals aren't really allowed to bring their armies back to rome and mm. and um yeah. it's a, there's a lot of territory that gets brought into this one idea and then you're you're looked after and and, and yeah, it, Picard it, it, makes yeah. a similar comparison actually in Best of Both Worlds, Part One, when he's talking to Guy and he says, "I wonder if the Emperor Honorius, as, the, as he watched the Visigoths, mm. um, truly realised he was about to watch the Roman Empire fall." Mm. Um, yeah, that's mm. it. So he's directly comparing the Federation to an empire, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, so it is like yeah, another. Interesting. I mean, one that say. <clears throat> Some things, some things, particularly in TNG, that feel a little bit dystopian is, and I, 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 I did a bit of research, and I'd, I'd read a, an article um, citing things that are a little bit dystopian about Star Trek. One of the things that was talking about, which I think I kind of agree with, is that they, all of the characters are really into uh, like classical music and <laughs> classical art. Wagner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no yeah, there's no there's no contemporary music or mm. or contemporary art. Reichel it's almost jazz. as if he does, but his jazz it's contemporary an, it's still in still an archaic 24th. form. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, there's no there's no visible clues to what what what's popular music right in the 24th and, it, and is and is that because freedom of expression is kind of. Is a bit frowned upon in the Federation. They have to pay royalty fees. I mean, I, 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 mean, I think I have to admit, I, I yeah. bet the writers would love to have had a scene where, where um, Data said to Picard, "Captain, are you coming to my rendition of Pussy Control by Prince <laughs> this evening?" Oh, yes, Mister Data, I would love to come to that. I, is it true that he had one of his ribs removed? <laughs> <laughs> it is, Captain. And so, and so on. But they had Don't to pay him to, to Prince's estate, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, But I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's, a, fair, it's yeah. a fair point. It is. But. Don't they always do that thing, though, when, they, uh, when they're citing uh, um, cre- creative people through history where they say, to... <laughs> Two yeah, two real ones. Yeah. One, 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 and to nothing, them, nothing since Mozart. <laughs> now, even even if they referenced, say, something like Prince, mm. that's still three hundred years yeah. or in their past. Mm. That's, yeah. To them, that's as classical and archaic as Mozart is to us. Yeah. So it's like, so what no what current... do they have? What who mm. creates now? Yeah. That's and it. We don't see anything. Of Rolling that. Stones. <laughs> but <laughs> <they're> still, <laughs> still going. Still going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think this is actually a this is a bit of a of a thing in sci-fi that it's so hard the one thing that's going to immediately date a sci-fi show or movie is to come up with an idea of what futuristic Mm -hmm. music might be like and you know you 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 kind of get it in like i don't have you uh, in um, the movie total recall Mm. they have some futuristic um like dance music in the uh, one of the in the the bar that Arnie goes to it in, in Mars. And the, one with the, the one with the lady with three boobs. Yes. Who is <laughs> and Sonia Gomez in series two of Next Generation? Oh. There's two episodes. Q oh. Who being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, that always strikes me as a, an attempt at sort of futuristic music, mm. but it's like, it just sounds like it's music from the 80s. Or, or it sounds like what what musicians in the 80s might have imagined futuristic music. But then music isn't all sci-fi like, what put people in like yeah. the 80s or, 90, or whatever decade it's from? Well, they imagine technology is going to be like in three or four hundred years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and that's how we end up with a mobile phone. And mm. now we, we say we have like discovery now and our vision of technology in the 23rd century now is obviously a little bit different to what someone in the 60s thought. Yeah. And that's sort of and that's why I started out as this challenge trying to reconcile those. But we, we're not brave enough to, to have a stab at music mm. that often. Yeah. Next Gen had a stab at, say, fashions and decided mm-hmm. jumpsuits were definitely the way forward. <laughs> jumpsuits were really and chunky ugly jumpers. jumpers. Yeah, yeah, ugly chunky. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they're just not brave enough to try music. No. But it is, it, is, it is incredibly difficult and as Will says mm. dating and it's yeah I think often I think lame often lame often <laughs> so, really lame uh, I think DS9 was the brave one again um, in terms of it it had a bit of an overhaul on it did away mm. with the civilian jumpsuits um, Jake initially the first two or three series mm-hmm. had to wear those oh, jumpsuits God, yeah. but like by the later he's got some pretty smart sharp outfits really snazzy yeah. jackets um, although I think they're sort of more rooted in the styles of the sort of the 90s uh, mm. there's not yeah. a huge amount to say this is the far future now it's just like well at least it doesn't look like a dick in a jumpsuit <laughs> um, yeah. but and likewise um, they did at least try Breen Nursery Rhyme at one point which is a little bit of a future music thing that's so uh, something <laughs> yeah. something yeah Anna Marine those. <laughs> oh well, there we go yeah that's that's what we'll I mean. think once you've done Anna Marine though you don't even bother with any future music because you've yeah. been um, but yeah, another another point this article was making is that there's no no one in um, in TNG kind of sits around in a bar. You don't see like a couple of people with like some crazy punk hairstyles mm. having a couple of beers, talking about you know like I don't know some kind of um, anarchistic music or mm. or something. Um, every, real everyone's alcohol talking is, about real alcohol is rare. Yeah, yeah, synthahol is is the that that's yeah. another. What's I think in, what's in synthahol, you know. I think again though, well, conformity drugs. Conformity drugs. Yeah, but 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 I think you could say DS Nine does make an effort to try and yeah. change mm. that a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you you go into ten forward, you are largely looking at people who have joined Starfleet. Yeah, they've joined mm. a military ranking, or so they're not going to be talking massively about. Um, yeah, no. about those subjects mm. Mm. and. I, and you can kind of see the benefit of a of a fake alcohol that doesn't impair your senses if you could be called to red alert any second. Mm. So, yeah, definitely. Kind of, if if you know if if there's going to be a Borg attack, yeah, with it within the hour, maybe don't be battered. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe maybe just or maybe be battered. Be, yeah. Because why the hell not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but whereas it, it, DS9, we see people get pissed. Yeah. We yeah. see. Um, I don't. We don't have the the, the punk hairstyles chatting about. Well, it's some fairly wacky hairstyles on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and but Quark's bar is a—it's a civilian bar, mm. isn't it? It's not—it's not a Starfleet bar. No. That's the difference. Mm. And we see I more think. everyday people in DS Nine, don't we? Yeah, well, but they're still, you know, talented and stuff. But we're not, we we see characters that aren't, you know, Starfleet. They're not mm. in ops and stuff. So yeah, you know, Keiko and Quark and mm. Ram and 
Jake as well. Jake. Jake, there's there's a nice. I, I like the the way Jake's story pans out in that Cisco does want him to join mm. Starfleet, mm. and he he decides he doesn't want to do I that. I think that's he, fantastic. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, I don't I don't think they. I don't think he gets a lot of great stories around him ending up being a journalist. But the, but the 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 idea that that is that Cisco's son rejects the idea of Starfleet is a great one. I a think. story and a good story. There's an episode where um, it's when the Dominion have taken over DS9 and you know, Wayun is filtering is, mm. is checking Jake's stories mm. first before mm. they go out. It would have been cool to have that kind of story, but when. It's the fe- the federation, so the federation yeah. are checking. Yeah, this yeah, the federation. So, well, you can't you can't have this story because this makes the federation look bad. You know? Yeah, mm. you're kind of assuming that was. The, you would hope they they're not. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think I get been... the impression that that some sometimes sometimes um, um, governments will will take certain actions to kind of. And they, they to kind of protect people from themselves. So often mm. after war, there'll be like weirdly, weirdly after World War Two, I think America in the fifties kind of it, it prospered quite well. And it had it, had, it you know there was a, a an economy of of people being able to buy things and you know mm. a bit like um, a bit like the kind of in Fallout the kind of houses that they're in, I mean Fallout isn't set in the fifties but it has a very fifties kind of yeah. Um, yeah look to it aesthetic and there was that kind of prosperous. Um, optimistic age, mm. just after World War Two, and mm. I think society's kind of wanted to portray that image to make people feel good mm. after 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 a world war. And I and, and I imagine perhaps the Federation, if the, the dystopian elements of it are that that's maybe gone a little bit too far. That too much th- too much thinking is being done for people mm. by by whoever's governing and 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 people who's got used to it. You've you've kind of made me think. Having what you're saying about um, Jake's stories and everything, mm-hmm. it would have been well, actually the um, the story regarding um, Cisco bringing the Romulans into the war was initially in first draft. I think uh, based around Jake uncovering things in the in the course of writing a story for the Federation News Network. Uh-huh. That element was largely dropped. But if they had done a story where, say, Jake had filed. A report that maybe reflected badly upon the command crew, and they had to deal with the fallout of that story going out. A would have said that the Federation doesn't filter its news stories and doesn't hide this stuff, as well as, well as being. And then I, I realised, well, actually, they do that thing. They do that on Voyager when the Doctor writes that hollow novel, that basically is is a massive hatchet job on all his crewmates. Photon to be free. Yeah. Yeah. And then. There's a huge legal battle to stop that being published, mm. and it's kind of like, well, there we go. There's there's your censorship. Mm. Yeah. There's, yeah. Here we here we are portraying the heroes of the Federation, the the, the mighty um, Starfleet officer as being less than perfect. Mm. And in fairness, I think the Doctor's story was massively unfair to the crew. Um, yeah. It, it, it was. It did make them. Had to be quite unpleasant, and, and, that, and that episode's played largely for for comedy, isn't it? And that that was a sad thing because it it could have been. It, it's kind of like they started for comedy, and then it's like they wanted to go and recreate a measure of a man in a way by having this this little hearing around holographic rights and the 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 rights of the artist to create his work. Yeah, it just never really panned out as well. 
That's another measure of a man is a good point, isn't it? Mm, yeah. That's, a, that's an episode that highlights what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there's almost a feeling, does, if, you've, if you've enjoyed this this series for the <clears throat> for a season and a half up to the point of measure of a man, there's no question in your mind that data is fully sentient and a person yeah. with, with his own rights. Why the hell are they even need to have a hearing about it? Yeah, mm. yeah, that's it. In, in, a, in a supposed utopia, mm. why would that be even questioned? Mm. And there's also the question uh, why has he reached well, he's an officer isn't he yeah he yeah. yeah he's yeah. gone through so, the academy yeah. why, why would it suddenly why? call him to question now <laughs> yes. that's a good point that's a really good point obviously I never thought of that before there, yeah, there is the yeah. one person who wants to break him down see how he works and make loads of him mm. it's like well surely it's like he should say um, hang on this is a guy who's graduated the academy Moved up the command track, his lieutenant commander on the flagship. No, you can't it, fucking break him down and build new ones. Yeah. He's a fucking person, yeah. you idiot. But he Get is, out of my office. But he's owned by the Federation, so they have nice. to. Federation yeah. property. They literally yeah. make the, try and make that thing. Commander Data is a valued member of my bridge crew, based on what I've heard. I cannot allow Commander Data to submit himself to this experiment. I was afraid this might be your attitude, Captain. Give our Starfleet's transfer orders, separating Commander Data from the Enterprise and reassigning it to Starbase 173 under my command. What? It's a brilliant episode and it's incredible, but actually, yeah, why sh- Why did it even happen? Mm. Why was that even, ever a consideration? Yeah. But I guess, I so guess thinking about what, um, what Troy says in First Contact about the history, mm. she explains to Zephyr Cochran about what, what will happen in the next few hundred years. I mean, those things are terrible, but but sometimes you, you need a challenge, don't you? Like societies mm. need challenges to to face and mm. progress beyond. Yeah. Well, you could. How does how does how does mm. how does federation society not stagnate when when a lot I of mean, things are catered for? Oh, because you've got guys like Jim Kirk getting really arsy about stagnating societies that don't like this and kicking the shit out of computers. But the problem, I mean, that is that is an, an intrinsic problem with utopia because a utopia yes. supposes that this is the pinnacle. Yeah. And there's no moving forward. There's no moving up because there's nowhere else to go. Right. There's and nothing it, to strive for. Yeah. And, which which Kirk would argue is that's that's a society that's that that's not a, that's not living yeah. and breathing. Mm. Then the prime director. I imagine he imagine he'd be told that to himself. He. Our prime directive of non-interference. That refers to a living, growing culture. Do you think this one is? This, this is, I think, this is where we <clears> break <throat> down to the core of, Rodden, of Roddenberry's vision. And if you're not watching this on the holodeck in the 24th century, I'm doing air quotes around <laughs> Roddenberry's vision because I think it's a very subjective term. But um, and it, the way I've read materials and everything, the way I understand it is Roddenberry developed the series and he had a more evolved humanity. But if you look at the original series, it wasn't always as far ahead as you might have liked. Whereas by the time we get to the late 70s, the motion picture and then into Next Generation, Roddenberry's vision was much more this full utopia that we were so far beyond where we are now. We we didn't even fight amongst ourselves. At the point, the, the Next Gen writers had this huge barrier to writing stories mm. because they were not allowed to have conflict between mm. the main characters yeah. and the essence of drama is of course conflict so you're tying your writer's hands massively here 
Um, and much as I love Next Generation, I know I do, I adore it. It's how I got into Star Trek. Uh, it, is, it will always be my favourite series because it was the first. I it, I do see that that lack, that way of having that perfect society and these people trying to fit into it was a bind. Yeah. Whereas I think what Deep Space Nine came along and did was to question that part and put people in situations outside of it. I think the most genius thing they did was to set it outside of the Federation space in a place that, say, wanted to join, but then put the war in. And then you introduce Section 31 and you say, it's great, so we've got a, what you say is a utopia, but how do you maintain that? How do you keep that going? How do you keep that going in the face of the really bad situations? And then you get episodes where Cisco has to go, has to break his own moral rules to bring the Romulans in for the greater good. Then you have Section 31, you have to say all along, there is this one shadowy organisation. And I think that was the beauty of Enterprise is how do you get there? How do you build that society? And I find, how do you build that society? How do you maintain that society? Mm. Much more interesting mm. from a story perspective yeah. than, la la la, we have a perfect society. Let's go around and tell everyone how great it is and assume they're going to join. Mm. Yeah. And that's maybe where we have the thing that, do we have a society of people who are just so brainwashed into their own utopia <clears throat> they can't comprehend how people don't want to join? Yeah. 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 And, I, and I think it's fair to say that I think DS9 makes the Federation feel less like a dystopia by exploring the idea of it being a dystopia. Mm, I think yeah. by questioning it, questioning it. Uh, don't know why I had a problem with the word questioning. It's a straightforward <laughs> word. There, there it is. But yeah, but by by de- by by exploring the idea that it, it isn't a utopia, that <laughs> that makes it it makes it feel a whole lot more more realistic, yes. and it yes. and it and it takes some of that yeah. sinisterness away. I think it is. And Next generation is almost like that really really beautiful woman who is completely like completely beyond what you could even comprehend and like yeah. completely inaccessible mm. whereas DS9 points out that actually when she eats she dribbles a little bit and <laughs> now and again she breaks wind yeah yeah <laughs> but well, the, those, those, the, the, it doesn't <laughs> ruin her it just makes it makes right, it more real it makes yeah. it more appealing <laughs> I wish, I remind me of, um, <laughs> this is a two beer analogy that I yeah. really don't I wish I had a great bit in, um, in High Fidelity the movie <laughs> and also the book where they where um the main character cites uh, his his girlfriend's underwear. Like when you when you're first dating someone, you you know you kind of they're they they're making an effort. You see all the sexy underwear. When you really get to know them, you see like you know the the, the granny pants, the comfortable underwear. <laughs> yes. okay. And it's like that's yeah, that's that's kind of what. You're feeling more comfortable, Rick. <laughs> now you know where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you have. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like that that's you know, was, that's, the, was, that's the real that's yes. the destination that's... I was aiming at and then I went off course instead <laughs> 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 drooling a, women similarly similar to that um, in the film 500 Days of Summer early on in that film uh, the, one of the main characters he lists the things that he loves about it so it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel in this film and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character lists all the things that he loves about her it looks like seven things and then later on spoiler for anyone that hasn't seen this film um, but later on they, they break up and he lists all the things that he doesn't like her and about they're it the and they're all things. the same things yeah <laughs> right right I, I haven't seen like this film, too like the, I things, have seen, yeah. the things that seem perfect aren't yeah <laughs> the things that seem perfect are the very things that are that are dystopian yeah. <laughs> about it I, I, I have seen and read High Fidelity and it is 
It is in my top two John Cusack films. The other being Gross Point Blank, which yeah. is awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, so much really fun. good, Brilliant. really good. Yeah. Love Gross Point. Um, in, in DS9 as well, we have a, we have, in, we have a character in, in Kira who doesn't really take to the Federation mm. like her. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, initially, it takes a long time for her to kind of her and Cisco to mm. become friends. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I, I mean, we've, we've we've been talking about this in this episode, but I think it's DS9 which best yeah. portrays the Federation yes and, absolutely uh, uh, Quark mm. Quark's always yeah. very yes. interesting on the subject he will always call bullshit yeah. on the he Federation really, think, won't yeah he? like um, th- in End of Series 2 the Jemadar when him and Cisco are locked up um, well they, they're detained by the Jemadar first time they've encountered them and he's Quark pulls Cisco up on why he's always so down on him and down on the Ferengi and he points out that if you look back in history the Ferengi have been, had a lot better history than humans have they never nearly wiped themselves out through nuclear war hmm. yes. so yeah you look down on us now but we're better than you ever were yeah thing mm. and it's an uncomfortable truth and cisco acknowledges that in a way um and then i think in way of the warrior you have that awesome awesome conversation between quark and garrick where they're comparing the federation to root beer mm. <coughs> yeah it's, it's so cloying and bubbly and happy it's insidious, it's insidious. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> The thing is, the more you drink of it, the more you start to like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It's vile. I know. It's so bubbly and cloying and happy. Just like the Federation. But you know what's really frightening? If you drink enough of it, you begin to like it. It's insidious. Just like the Federation. Well, we... um. As as uh, some some research for this, we watched uh, Homefront and mm. Paradise Lost, mm. which is a the two parter that you mentioned earlier on, Rick. That was originally going to be a uh, um, the end of the season three. Yeah, and in in that in that two parter, I think you, you can find pretty much every example of of the Federation as a dystopia. Yeah, and uh, there's a great there's a great quark bit in that episode right near the beginning, where. And I think this is a little bit typical of the the um, the oh, yes. Federation character's attitude to mm. Quark, where yeah. um, so this so the, the the episode opens and there's been a there's a bombing at um, a, um, a conference, a conference. In Antwerp. and Bashir and O'Brien are you know they're pretty cut up about it. It's it's not their... cut up enough. They don't go to the Hollis Week yeah. and play Biggles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Maybe they're feeling like I don't know, like they need to explore their aren't they aren't they supposedly they're playing something that's well yeah, it's like yeah. defence of the of the realm. They're kind mm. of yeah. Yeah, that's it. I think that's it. And and Quark, um he tries Quark, he try, he tries to empathise yeah. with him and he says When the great monetary collapse hit Ferenginar, I was hundreds of light years away, serving as a ship's cook on a long haul freighter. I can't tell you the heartbreak I suffered knowing that rampant inflation and currency devaluation were burning like wildfires through the lush financial foliage of my home. It still depresses me even today. I remember thinking my accounts needed me and there was nothing I could do. I I, I felt so, so helpless. So you see, I do understand. Somehow, you telling me that doesn't make me feel the least bit better. It's, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a joke. Yeah. But they sneer at him. disdain for and him, he, like yeah. yeah. And, and he is genuinely, he's he's making a comparison 
that from his point of view is in his equal. society yeah, that, in his yeah yeah and actually culturally that's just the way his culture yes, is geared yeah. why should they be why should that be any less real as a as a feeling exactly mm. he's trying to empathize with right. you as well yeah. and they that just the they just thing. roll their eyes yeah. and they're like oh bloody bloody capitalists yeah. Yeah. it's like well hang on quirk's like he's you know he's trying to empathize mm. with you and he's telling you a story about a, a situation where he felt the same mm. can't can't you look beyond your your federation mm. ideals of of um of there not being a, a Currency, mm. yeah, the federation, and, and understand what Quark's trying to say. Because ultimately, um, Quark is an actual person yeah. who is talking to them and trying to help them, yeah. and they're so caught up on the difference between his, his values and theirs that they disregard mm. him. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're in the that's I they're think, in his yeah. bar. Yeah. Surely, they're yeah. paying for this. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, I see no idea how the payment works. works yeah, they, they drain yeah. that bar and they like yeah. it. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. It's such a jerk behaviour, isn't it, by those guys? Yeah. So that's that's another that's a big thing, I guess, moving a little bit off Homefront and, and Paradise Lost of that I think we should talk about oh, we will. this massive thing about how there is uh, no no money, no economy, yeah. I guess, in the Federation. But my my count my <coughs> counterpoint to that is does that mean basically everyone is unpaid? Mm. So is everyone a slave to the Federation? <laughs> well, because, no, because they're not forced to do things. No. Okay. And okay. You, and one thing that in in those episodes, one thing that's that has been cited in in conversations up to now is um, Cisco's dad. Cisco's dad, a, sla- a slave, a but, slave chef <laughs> in New Orleans, he, of course, he churning is. out gumbo. <laughs> there are many people who would. You know, if they didn't have to worry about funding, it would quite happily run a restaurant and and feed mm. people, and that's what brings yeah. them joy. So I don't think that's a. And I think that's a good point because in in those it's episodes, still an economy, isn't it? It's the new world economy. But how does? But, but yeah, it's a good how point. How does, does it that work? work? Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, Cisco's dad is running that estra- restaurant yeah. for the joy of yeah. running a restaurant, and he, he. You assume everyone is granted some level of base housing. Basic. They have a re- replicator. So they can yeah. provide themselves with all the food, water, and any other material goods they may wish for. Um, is there a certain thing where if you are, if you decide to pursue a, a vocation in your life that contributes more heavily to society than, say, another one, do you reap some further reward? Wait, wait, wait. That, but that's mm. but that's like that episode of Voyager where the doctor goes to a hospital. And he gets, and people who are doing a more important job get better treatment. Well, yeah, then mm. and that's a dystopia. Yeah, I mean, no, it is. It is. If you if you are deemed more um, I, I, more, I more worthwhile to society, and that and that mm. that would create a caste system, mm. surely. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess in that Voyager episode, it sort of is a bit of it's sort. They're trying to have a meritocracy, but a meritocracy mm. only works if everybody has the same ability to do what they want and mm. sometimes well, that's and sometimes thing. not knowing what you want to do doesn't mean you're not contributing mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. whereas I said everyone's provided with a base level so everyone gets a house they get a replicator and those can do this I assume then they also all get equal access to healthcare and to education Yeah, and those things are all freely available but therefore if you then use that <coughs> education and choose to become a doctor mm. and save lives do you have access to a certain level of further reward that you don't get if you think 
you know, if you become, say, and yeah, I can't name a career here without sounding horrible, but I don't know, like movie <laughs> critic or something. Something <laughs> has yeah, very yeah. little value to society. Pod, I don't know. Yeah, uh, professional uh, podcaster. Yeah, podcaster. Star Trek podcaster, right? We're reading like I say, I say seventy two. But it's in, but it's a good yeah, point because what what do you what if you, you live in a society? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What's the motivation for? Um, and I get, and I guess this is this is the kind of problem with our society at the moment. Because I'm, what I'm going to say is, what's the motivation to kind of better yourself if there's no financial reward? Mm. But isn't that an awful mm. thing yeah. that financial reward is the first thing? That I think of, but, in today's but we, like, we live in a yeah. society. We, we live yeah. in a society where we're conditioned to measure ourselves by what we have, and also yeah. survival yeah. base is based on your financial reward in our current society. Mm. Yeah, and you cannot status continue as well. without being well, able to. Yeah, but, mm. <laughs> I know survival's a bit, a bit of a. Well, like, a I, well, like quality of life, I guess. Quality of life. Yeah. I mean, like, mm. but I mean, you know. I, yeah, it, it's just hard to think. I I kind of think of of Barclay in in TNG, and he's given such a hard time because he doesn't show up on time, and mm. he's he's mm. he's obviously not in love with his job on the Enterprise, and he's immersed in his kind of fancy world in the. I don't, holodex. I don't think he's like, doesn't like his the... job. I think it's just he's he, he's very he's, he's really uncomfortable yeah. around other people. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're not. Like and I don't think he likes his workplace environment. Mm. Yeah, and I can. Understand. I understand why. Well, once, <laughs> yeah. once again, yeah. once again, we're we're kind of confusing um, Starfleet with the Federation because Starfleet, as right. we've been saying, well, is, is a I guess go, go, largely military organisation turning up on Starfleet time. And, and I guess Starfleet is Earth, isn't it? Starfleet yeah. is an Earth organisation. And, mm-hmm. and going back to her Paradise Lost and Homefront, in that the story is that that. Starfleet uh, are going to take over mm. Earth, yeah, and 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 kind of yeah. you know um, um, impose military law mm-hmm. above Federation law, mm. and so I guess we know that yeah, they're, they're Starfleet's a part yeah. of the Federation, but it's it's the it's the military mm. part. But no, I, isn't Starfleet an Earth organization? But because Earth's in the Federation, aliens can be part of Starfleet. Well, st- yeah, because we see Starfleet <laughs> in Enterprise, question. and mm. I think when they form the Federation, they just sort of fold all the, like, say, the Andorian Imperial Guard, whatever right. the Vulcan name mm. for their. But the, fleet no, the, but the Vulcans is, still all fold do. into one Starfleet. Mm. But, but there's. Don't the Vulcans still have their own. The Vulcans still have their own ships. I think, yeah, then, then mm. planets can maintain their own ship thing for whatever reason. Right. Mm. This is where we get into that blurred line of it's not being strictly well defined. Yeah, I suppose you you would think that the Federation would have a problem with a member of the Federation having their own sort of separate army, mm. and and yet possibly more powerful. Yeah, technology. And what are they going to, you know, what could they potentially do with that? And then on the other hand, but if it's a if it's a utopia, how can you say, well, you can't have you can't have your own. You you can't be allowed to have any sort of military force that has to belong to the federation. Well, that doesn't sound very utopian. Mm. So, 
it feels like it maybe in Star Trek that the solution is well let's let's not sort of talk about that explicitly yeah. <laughs> um, because if we do that then maybe the idea of a federate of an, a utopia falls apart a little bit this this is the intrinsic flaw with this whole discussion is there's no clear definition mm. the, the the entirety of the federation how it works has not been laid down mm different writers have come and gone throughout Star Trek and they've all put their own stamp on it and they've all made their own little hints but none of them have followed a set plan or formula um, and so when you put it all together you can you, you you interpret things depending on the bits you put together but it's never necessarily as it was intended mm. because no one intended these disparate elements yeah. to be examined as an overall guide to a society that no one's clearly defined yeah, and, and also, and like we were saying before, I guess we haven't seen many characters, mm. apart from in Deep Space Nine. Most characters we see have, have you know, the, the Federation and stuff, it's ingrained into their life. It's their, mm. it's, you know, it's, it's why yeah. they're, why they are who they are and what why they're doing what they're doing. It's yeah, we it's hard to a... it's hard to detach yourself from in a from way that if it's so it's... ingrained into your existence. It's yeah. interesting to examine the 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 non Starfleet people you do see because, like, say, see Bashir's parents turn up on the station one time, and Bashir's father is basically a guy who's tried every job going because essentially he can't stick to any of them, and Bashir clearly has some issues around that. He's like not not a person who's very proud of his father or deems him as someone who's achieved much mm, he's got quite yeah. an attitude around that so it's like so he's not someone who's like taken this dream of the federation mm. and gone out to better himself he's a person who really can't find his place mm. in a way um, then you have someone like Harry Mudd mm. who's mm. just gone out and lived on the fringes you know he's like He's he's not representing the ideals of Roddenberry's vision, surely. Yeah, and and also Harry Mudd's always his uh, whole thing is basically sort of getting rich, mm. I guess, and and so he can go yeah, off and sit. Is, isn't he? Yeah, he wants to yeah. just want to um, go and sit on a beach and sit, sit jippers. Yeah, <laughs> but but how can he do that if there's a name? Well, economy. Well, he can because there are. I mean. Presumably, he goes outside the Federation. Right. Um, um, th- that also brings up the episode of Mud's Women, which describes several planets that are, you know, that A, don't have, these women don't have mm. any agency. mean agency. They don't have any agency. They don't have any mean, means to join Starfleet. You know, we, we had a the whole conversation about why don't these women have any ambition other than to become wives well it's because that's a society they've, they've, they've been yeah, brought up in yeah. they've never been told that they can ever be anything but a wife to a farmer mine was a farm planet with automated machines for company and then two brothers to cook for, mend their clothes canal mud, a foot thick on their boots every time they walked in fine Evie, fine no it's not fine We've got men willing to be our husbands waiting for us, and you're taking us in the opposite direction. So there are, or there it's are the first, whole... or it's the best opportunity they have. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. it's the best opportunity they have to escape the life that they have. Yes. The life that they have is one go where they're not where slightly, they're encouraged to. Yeah, go on to a slightly different form of the life that they that they were brought up in. But but there there are whole worlds that that have no ambition, that ha- that have no. But they presumably they're human. Um, colonies, yeah. so yeah. I think it's probably from. I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure how it would 
if that's, this is true, but I, I imagine it's from the early days of when yeah. humanity was kind of going out and mm. colonising. I think they like there's like a grey there's a grey area when the federation was forming and they mm. probably yeah. just forgot some people. It, it's it's kind of <laughs> heavily into that that there's a number of colony <clears throat> ships were sent out and not all of them were heard back from. You see you see that even in next gen the up the long ladder. Yeah, they basically discover two. Uh, separate colonies and turned quite different. There's the um, <laughs> stereotype Irish colony and the the, the bland clone colony. Yeah, um, and they had no idea they were there. Um, <clears throat> in the original series, they they um, there's a few episodes where they're investigating the last like lost lost ships, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, lost colony ships. What's the one where it's a mining planet? What and um, I oh, do that hot, terrible thing where they create a, a pigeon. Um, language and the I can't even remember what is it an enterprise I guess that's I guess that's pre-federation oh, yeah yeah it? so all the, so, so I guess all, say, I guess a pre- lot of these planets are pre-federation and then mm, yeah, yeah is ent- enterprise is pre-utopia maybe yeah well I guess argue, it must be but it also is so then his original series also pre-utopia if we're talking about the real mm. utopian stuff being in next gen I think so well yeah. you could you could make that point that they haven't quite got there because Roddenberry mm. didn't really fully embrace the complete utopia mm. until later on yeah I mean the Federation was mentioned in the original series I think it was an idea from Gene yeah. Coon wasn't it so, yeah so that was the, the, federation. The, the notion is there but yeah. in terms of what it is I, yeah I, would I think agree it's, it's I think it, I don't think it's illogical to say that the federation is not quite fully yeah. utopia it's certainly not like next gen levels it doesn't think. feel like a utopia when a um, <coughs> when a, an officer on a a starship has to bring coffee to all of the bridge officers <laughs> because they're a sexy lady <laughs> doesn't not a utopia well, I guess for that. Utopia maybe. for some. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, utopia. Yeah. Not a utopia for pro- everyone. Yeah. But it. But isn't that the problem with the utopia? It is in, indeed. In general, it depends on what your idea of a utopia is. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess. I think it, Roddenberry's vision of a utopia definitely would involve a number of leggy ladies. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, g- going back to. Going back to Homefront and Paradise Lost, which I know I keep saying. Oh, and I then I keep it. saying one thing and then we immediately get distracted and cut off into examples of but... non-Starfleet life, though. Yes, uh, yeah, so that's it. We, see, we, we see a huge amount to go on. We see civilians and we see... Yeah, Cisco's dad is a is a civilian and we, we, we see what civilian life might be a little bit like mm. if you own a restaurant. <laughs> I always in that episode I always get really hung up on um, Nathan who is like the the kitchen hand in uh, in Dad Cisco's restaurant. I just well, think he's like the sous chef. Is he? Me, I yeah. Yeah, and I'm like Cisco's dad's a little bit disparaging. There's a line where he says like Nathan like because because uh, Cisco's dad has some health problems and mm. they're trying to get him to take it easy and it's like what am I gonna do? Leave this place to Nathan to run? <laughs> Fucking Nathan! <laughs> you know, Dad, you could come and visit us at the station once in a while. Don't start that again. Earth's my home. It's where I belong. Besides, what would happen to the restaurant if I went gallivanting around the galaxy? 
You think Nathan can handle this place on his own? Hang on a minute. Is Nathan living in a utopia (laughs) where he's working for Cisco's dad, a guy who has absolutely no faith in him? How much how much fun is he having in this in this world where he's like washing pots? Cisco's dad like another another maybe. month of getting these pots super super clean maybe he's and having... you can make the, the gumbo <laughs> maybe he's having but... too much fun that's the point yeah that's what dad Cisco's problem is he's having too much fun he, yeah he's living in the utopics he gets to bully Nathan yeah. all the time. As, as, as we see he even makes his, his own son and grandson sat Wash, back yeah. like washing the, the washing potatoes shrimps. or something he does like. yeah. yeah peeling yeah. shrimps but, you know, these jobs have to yeah, be done. They do. Yeah. Well, they don't because he has replicators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just yeah. Pull, out the, replicate. pull out the poop line, you do. don't you, when you prepare yeah. shrimps? Of a potato. Oh, of a shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a potato, definitely. Yeah. Poop line of a potato. And prawns, is um, sorry, shrimps are teeny. Prawns are a bit bigger. Which one's the bigger one? Shrimps. Prawns are the bigger ones. Shrimps are the little ones. Shrimps, yes. Shrimps generally, yeah, shrimps generally. So prawns are the ones when you need to Yeah. Apparently. I mean, I. I just heard. I just hear that from when people have gone to restaurants and they prepared. They prepared shrimps and, and haven't done that. Yeah, <laughs> we've done that thing again where I started talking about those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we've got <laughs> sidelines talking about Paul's Paul's But the thing, the thing I wanted to say about this, these say it quick. these episodes. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll actually try and get to the flipping point this time. <laughs> Which is what I should have done in the first place. Um, so this is an example where we see uh, a uh, an admiral um, doing something untoward mm. and, and a bit no. corrupt. And <laughs> what? Have we, I mean, has that ever happened in in Star Trek before? I don't know. But but um, um, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. It has, hasn't okay. it? And but the, so the point is that is do we really live in? It, is the Federation really a utopia if you if you can have admirals who can um, be kind of corrupt and have their own agenda and can be pushing a a, mm. a certain thing? We we've seen that quite a few times in, in mm. TNG, and that that's kind of the story in in these episodes where um, it, there's 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 effectively a, a coup and an admiral mm. is trying to take over and and bring bring martial law. Martial law works is working really well on Earth um, in that episode though because they everyone just goes along with it. Mm. I mean, Cisco's dad is initially resistant, but yeah, of course he he falls into line quite quickly. He does, and he's happily making gumbo for the. Well, uh, they're, the well they're testing his blood. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. But yeah, the, I mean, uh, the, the drumhead is another good example of a. Uh, you know, some dy- a dystopian edge to mm. to TNG, where where you know you have to question it. I mean, in that episode, um, uh, the 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 admiral in question is um, uh, unfairly persecuting mm. an officer, isn't mm. she? Yeah. And it seems like she's done that before. Yes. And you have to wonder how many times has that happened mm-hmm. for for. You know, for it to be brought up on that. Yeah. Is that is it a utopia for those yeah. people? Mm. No. Yeah. It's it's because um, that we've seen an admiral go rogue before because mm. he couldn't get his way and he stole a starship, blew it up, stole it, you know, killed the Klingon crew, stole their starship, <laughs> engaged in unauthorized time travel, 
brought some whales into the future, oh which this, is like a potential this biological. This guy, this, this guy, so he must bastard. be like the most awful he villain in all of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. He sounds like a horrible person. It's Where James T. Kirk. What? <laughs> you are kidding me. <laughs> uh, that's a good point because, um, yeah, a lot of the time. Um, main characters do disobey the rules the federation mm. but you know in in most of the movies that that seems to happen but, you know in insurrection why why um, was the federation council even considering allowing the sonar to do this crazy collection mm. shit on the rings of the baku planet why yeah why and why do, yeah right. da- data has to say to hell with our orders <coughs> No, that's in first yeah. contact. Oh, right, he does. Right, so in first it, contact, he does. They disobey orders. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But and then oh no, it's Worf that lists all the all the explosives and guns that Picard's taking yeah. down to the planet. <laughs> Picard <laughs> says to Riker and LaForge, um, "Get out of the briar patch and tell the Federation Council put a human face on this or something along those lines." Yeah. Make them realise the Baku were people. Mm. That's what they have to go and do because the Federation was so found it much easier to see the value of the metaphasic radiation they did not consider the personal cost to the people who lived there yeah mm. get through and the bureaucracy get through the red tape so yeah so a lot a lot of our our, um, our hero characters do have a real anti-authoritarian mm. kind of edge to them mm. Kirk definitely does Picard does at times but you know, we know Picard's broken the prime directive nine at times. least nine times yeah. mm. Um, we know that Archer does um, Janeway definitely does mm. so yeah this this feels like that's because the Federation is a, it's a horrible dystopia <laughs> well, it is. Oh, I guess in Star Trek fighting against it I guess as a captain of a ship if, you, if anyone's going to have agency in this society that's where it's going to be isn't it mm. you you in terms of important decision making, that's you've got you've got a certain amount of power there, haven't you? And that that gives you some freedom within this this bureaucracy, I suppose. And and that's that's natural. I, I think it's natural that those characters would have those those feelings. I, I remember yeah. I remember listening to a a series on Radio Four a while ago, um, called A History of the World in a Thousand Objects, mm. and there was I can't remember the exact object that the guy was talking about but basically his point was that um, bureaucracy is necessary in order for a society to keep going because if there's not bureaucracy if there's not red tape then then it's more likely that that, that wars and things that mm. threaten that society will happen and and it seems like this is kind of what's happening here like bureaucracy is it is part of the of how the federation Keeps itself going. It has lots of rules, and and another another thing I was that I, that I recalled was um, uh, a while ago uh, I listened to a podcast that was they were talking about magic and how people who practice magic how it works for them. And basically, the idea is that it's a combination of like, ritual um, and perception equal your reality. So you you perform a ritual, and your perception of it combine and and it informs your reality that's why you're doing it and 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 in a way if the federation probably does have a sort of a ritualistic element to it but the way if people are doing the same things every day 
and and they're expecting that to to have the results that it usually has you you kind of it's not a ritual in so much as like a magical ritual but you're doing the same thing every day and mm. the same things are happening to you every day and it's why would you question that and it, and it informs your reality and and you can and i can see the the that the, you perceive your reality as a utopia mm. even when it's not it's just because you're so used to doing the same thing all the time and it becomes routine and yeah and you sort of and 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 that's it and I mean so so in a way i guess the federation could be a utopia but it's not it's not one that we would recognize because it's yeah. because we're 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 from the outside looking in i suppose if you're yeah, inside it yeah. then it is maybe but if you're outside mm. it then it's not but then but then what happens when you stop doing the same thing every day <coughs> and you look up can you, yeah yeah what yeah you, if you can do that then yes i would say then it stops becoming a utopia you get more agency i think yeah so so the lack of agency is what makes it a utopia and that that's it shouldn't be it shouldn't thought. it shouldn't be but yeah i mean i yeah i suppose it's that's yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the lack of kind of yeah no, no, it's just but it's not but it's not but it's not <laughs> you're not being directly you're not directly having agency taken away from you it's just you're just giving it away yeah, giving your yeah you're, being, you're, 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 you're a turkey voting for Christmas. Yeah. I, and now I feel like everyone in the Federation is just Emmett at the beginning of the Lego movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yes. I guess, I guess the thing is, we, you do have to kind of take a step back and remember. Okay, <laughs> this is a TV show, yeah. and as Rick was saying, this is like. This is a whole bunch of different ideas, mm. I guess, about what a utopia is, and that there's a there's a there's a, a set idea that the federation is a utopia, mm. and then and in various different TV shows and different writers and different ideas have explored that from all yeah. sorts of different angles, and it's it's you know it's not it's not actually a real world i guess no. it's it's a construct i think the, um, yeah. the whole notion it's of roddenberry's vision it's hard to say okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah i think so there's the notion of roddenberry's vision of the future but i think that was a, a changeable vision as it went through time mm. and it's a vision as interpreted by different writers mm. yeah so none of it's consistent you can't say oh but the future of star trek society is this because because roddenberry's vision because mm. even that which would seem to be the most solid basis changed as, as things developed and was interpreted so <coughs> it's it's supposed to be a utopia but I think at some points it's come across however meant to as worryingly dystopian yeah mm. and not not to not to sort of undo everything that we've said on this, this podcast but you could say <laughs> what does it really matter? <laughs> because because ultimately you could you could you could watch Star Trek and completely buy into the idea that it's a utopia. You could watch it and completely ob- object to the idea of it being a, of a utopia and, and see it as a dystopia. But you can you can enjoy it both ways, and yeah. you can get you you mm-hmm. can get something out of it both ways. So you know you could say it's just two different ways of looking at a of a story. I think the important thing is that you watch Star Trek, you take from it what you <clears throat> interpret it, but most of all, you come and listen to our podcast. <laughs> and talk about it. Right, right. And, and possibly get on the <clears throat> Patreon and give us. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say, and support us financially. <laughs> That's exactly what people should be doing. 
uh, in the utopia of ten backwards. I feel like we've sort of come to a natural end. Do you have anything else to add about Homefront and Paradise Lost? Um, I really like those episodes, they are great. but they're a little bit stagey. <laughs> oh, I love because they don't. Oh, I, I don't mind that. I feel like in in the second part, they they could have benefited from it being a it feeling like it's a big story that they're telling. Mm. A lot of it's towards the end is just told in like two different offices. Yeah, and it's like ah, <laughs> could we not have seen a few more sort of exterior shots of. You know, Federation Anything. troops on the streets. Of, yeah. It's a budget yeah, thing, isn't it? Yeah, like the three or four people. My main problem with that with that episode is um, there's a there's the point where um, Cisco brings a member of Red Squad into his office and interviews him uh, and gets a complete. Um, um, Oh, I lost the word. It's, um, it's like a confession, a, a confession I guess. Confession, yeah. yeah. A complete ice cream. A complete confession <laughs> as that they did. They, they wiped out the yeah. entire planet. It's all the uh, evidence. Gr- electric need, grid. Yeah. All of the power. The power grids wiped out. At not not point did he think that he was going to record this as evidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's all he would need to take to the, I don't know, prime minister, um, and that would that would cut a lot of. Um, a lot of the events short. It would cut the running. It would time cut the running. <laughs> I think that's the problem because then it's like, ah, oh, then, then they do. Oh, it. Why not even have got that awesome battle between the Defiant and the Lakota? No, but they could yeah. have had that because um, they could have already been on their way, mm. and they could have had that awesome battle, and that's and that would be the, I don't know, yeah. Um, but also, anyway, I, yeah, I suppose yeah. they could, but because the Defiant the coup, had the key the bit of evidence, have still been going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they could have had a fight with the the, the coup and the people who are against the coup, they not yeah. the coup. They and sh- yeah. oh, it could have been well, so have much bigger. Was they Cisco should have meant to record it, and then he wrote. I've done a will. What kind of idiot would do something as stupid as that? Though that would be, that would take you out of the episode because you'd be like, no, no one would do <laughs> such a stupid. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Mm. <laughs> I think. Yeah. <sighs> Other than um, um, Paradise Lost and um, Home Front, good episodes yeah. actually. Even though I just uh, dissed Part Two a little bit. Good. I'm glad they got made. <laughs> I, I was just thinking. <laughs> like, actually, well done them. There is, yeah. um, there is a episode in series two of Deep Space Nine where O'Brien and Cisco discover a planet where people, where a small group have gone to get away from the hurly-burly of daily life from the Federation and live a simpler existence away from technology. And through the course of the episode, uh, it turns out that the leader of that colony has deliberately sh- suppressed techn- technology on that planet with a duonetic field. And when Cisco doesn't like it, locks him in a tiny box on several <laughs> occasions. And it just it's telling that someone thinks... We need a better life than is in the Federation. So, a there's clearly flaws if people leave for a better life, and that better life involves locking people in tiny boxes. <laughs> well, what does that say about the Federation? I just got really hung up on on your use of the phrase "hurly burly." <laughs> <laughs> I really like it, but I don't think the first time I've used that no. phrase on the on the podcast. <laughs> I th- yeah, I don't think we've said that before on the podcast. <laughs> We should say it on every episode now. Um, 
I, I think we should wind this up, shouldn't we? And, yes. and let our listeners uh, decide for themselves. Yes. Utopia or dystopia? Yeah. Have a think. Let us know your Which thoughts. Which is better? <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Yeah. But whatever you decide, make sure you contribute to us financially <laughs> as patrons. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Yes. Yeah. I've enjoyed this one. It's been fun, hasn't it? Yes. Cool. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. Do you realise how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed her bum? What? Her bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund our ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash loweredexradio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcast through iTunes, Stitcher Google Play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? 10 Backward. 10 Backward. It's insidious.